So what you're saying is we need another prohibition. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> I think we can do this without that. I think we're doing it. We got this. <laughs> 2020 is hard enough, Colton. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, Jeff, we should introduce you. Uh, I guess I should do the drop first. This is the Still Talking Podcast, our reverent distilling industry podcast with Colton Zeno and myself. Uh, today, Zeno is not here. He's apparently got a job he still has to do. Apparently, he's making alcohol. <laughs> what is he doing, Colton? Is he making alcohol sanitizer? Is he just wandering around random parks? No, he's making alcohol for me. That's right. So actually, he is doing something valuable then. Uh, but today we have we have a guest, Jeff Clark, Live Oak Bank. Uh, Jeff, I've known you for quite a while, and Live Oak has been involved in the industry for quite some time. But why don't you just give us just a quick, uh, brief rundown of who you are, what Live Oak does, and how you guys are involved in the industry? Sure. Live Oak Bank is one of the largest lenders to the alcohol and non-alcohol industry in the United States. We're the number one SBA lender to the alcohol industry. Uh, we serve all um, all areas, spirits, wine, beer. So we feel like that gives us a very unique uh, take on the world. And it's certainly been um, helpful in these times we're uh, in. Um, I've been doing this since, um, let's see, Mayflower landed. It's 1993. And um, been through, this be about my fourth cycle here. I need to say up front that any opinions, unless stated explicitly otherwise, are just mine and not necessarily those of Live Oak Bank. No, no. I think all of Brian and my opinions will be Live Oak. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's key. Jeff's are not, but ours are, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, so I, I imagine you've been doing this for a while. Uh, during a pandemic, I assume the coffers are open. Money is just, it's basically free money everywhere, right? Um, yes and no. Um, there has been some free monies. I mean, you know, forgivable loans um, through the, the Paycheck Protection Program, uh, the Economic Injury Disaster Loan, the IDLE loan. Um, that's uh, pretty close to free. That's a 30-year loan. 3.75%. Um, most companies I've been seeing have been getting about 150,000. So nice capital. It's good to have that. I think it's making an impact. It's definitely helping you know, bridge all these gaps, especially people that are affected by you know, the lack of on-premise sales. Um, and there's some other program, care, what they call CARES Act programs through the USDA. There's a Main Street Loan Program. Uh, some of them work better than others. Um, just depends on the situation. But uh, no, and then that's one side of the coin. And like, no, there's not a lot of money out there right now because banks are worried. <laughs> right, everyone's terrified. And you know, rightfully so. But I've been I I, I got into the wine industry lending at the end of the savings and loan crisis. Uh, you guys probably don't remember that. And then. I wrote up the dot-com boom, and then that coincided with the bust when there was an oversupply of grapes, and then through the Great Recession as well. So this is this is different. Um, you know, this this uh, none of us have been through a pandemic. So uh, I personally, I think we're going to get through this. As a, as a as a father of a three-month-old boy, we're going to get through this. There, there's no choice. 
Right. Uh, but it's, it throws some new twist on things. And so banks have to be very thoughtful in what they do and how they do it. Is Live Oak like a specific or at least very focused on just the you know, beer, wine, and spirits industry? That's a good question. Adult beverage bank? Uh, no, what? that's a good question. We are a, a specialized bank. We, we started off by just doing certain industries. So we have about 30 different industries. We call them verticals. Our industry, uh, the alcohol industry was the eighth vertical. We've been here for about five and a half years. Now we've since added general lending capabilities, but the bank goes out and finds industries that are underbanked based on SBA data and other data. And then they go hire a team that specializes in that and they go out and they try to help that industry. So that's what we've been doing um, for the last five and a half years. But we, yeah, we do other things as well. I don't want to get us too off topic, but are you guys going to get into the cannabis banking? I would say that is a very underbanked industry. Yeah, there's all kinds of good reasons why, you know, conflicting state and federal regs. And yeah, uh, no, I no, I don't think we ever get into it because you have to you have to pick and choose. There's a thing called reputational risk and depends who you talk to as to what their thoughts are on such things. So right now it's a regulatory, um, it's a non-starter. And I, I, I personally don't think the culture of the bank would probably be involved with it. Um, my question essentially is, when someone is applying for a loan with you, what are some of the criteria you're looking for? I imagine that's changed a little bit now, but what are some of the, you know, I sh I'm sure you have a checklist you have to go through and what are kind of the primers people should be doing before they even contact you? That's a good question. Actually, it's, it's, it reinforces what we've done all along. There, there's three primary things we look at. First thing is character. You know, what's your credit score? Is, do you have a clean criminal and civil background check. That's how we measure character. Then we look at, do you know what you're doing? Are you, how, how many years of experience have you had? You know, tell me about your successes. Tell me about your failures. Tell me about what you do. And the third thing we look for uh, and have always have is cash flow because as a bank, we're a cash flow lender. That's how we get repaid. Now, having said that, we've always been very detail oriented. Well, now we're taking it to another level because we have to, you know, right. we, we're really digging in and trying to understand how is COVID affecting your business? So for we have many producers who, if they were in the grocery store and retail outlets prior, they, we've had a couple, they've had their best year ever. And that was May 31st. If you were totally dependent upon on-premise sales by the glass here, you've got problems. So we need to understand that. And we've seen people pivot. Uh, it's, it, I'm, I never cease to be impressed by American can-do and ingenuity. I've, I've got a client that went from like 75% you know, like on-premise, 25% grocery to almost the opposite in the last 15 months. They decided to make that change and then this happened. Boom. So we want to understand those dynamics and we want to understand what is your plan. You know, we want to understand your supply chain. I think everybody at every walk of life right now is being affected by supply chain issues. Um, so there's, we just want, we have to understand, we have to dig deep. And so that part of it, the, the uh, time you're going to spend with your banker, him asking you questions, 
that's really the only, I mean, we've always done that, but now we do it with a, a newfound purpose. Yeah, that makes sense. Where are you seeing the funds go to now? Are people just trying to use it to stay alive, hit payroll? I mean, before I imagine a lot of it was expansions, new startups. Where's the money actually going to now? It's some of the survival payroll, staying, keeping your head above water. Um, If you went into this thing in bad shape, you probably aren't coming out of it in good shape, even though I've seen a few (laughs) examples where... Somebody got lucky, but it's normally not the case. Um, you have to remember, too, life continues even with the COVID thing. So, you know, you come into this and there's needs to buy out partners and to purchase equipment and to settle estates and things like that. So those are in there. Um, but we're also seeing opportunity. So, you know, here's the good news for everybody. We were drinking more According to Bart over at the Brewers Association, Bart Watson, the chief economist, we were drinking more prior to COVID than we had been drinking per adult since the repeal of prohibition. And now we're drinking even more. So good news, better news. <laughs> what what has changed, um, and I've I've seen that, I've seen that in the, the economic downturns the last three I've been through stands to reason it's an affordable luxury i had a friend that owned a chain of beauty supply stores and sold them he would sell more high quality beauty supply products in bad times than good times why because it was an affordable luxury look good feel good and i think that applies to alcohol as well so that's the good news what's happened is as you know it's just where you're buying it and the format you're buying it in is changing so grab and go retail you know, on premise you know we're starting to open up and all but it's you know can formats large mixed you know can cocktails mixed 30 pack beer a lot of innovation going on so there's a lot of opportunity people acquiring but you know, mentioned earlier people like they want to retire they get estate planning to do so people trying to get out of business we're seeing you know people requesting funds to buy other businesses to grow their business get economies of scale um partner buyouts you know bad times create even you know can create bad relationships so when trying to buy out your partner going through all this and bad economic times probably extra motivated to do that so it's it's a real mixed bag so do you think we're gonna see a lot of distilleries closing in the next 12 to 15 months or you think most of these guys just because you know a lot of them have been able to pivot that we'll have everyone will be able to hold on and, until things are somewhat back to normal. Well, I think the industry, my personal belief, started shaking out about 18 months ago. It started to get serious, right? And all of a sudden you got more competition and more competition. Um, so, you know, I think if anything, and not to be harsh, but Darwin's theory is going to get accelerated with this situation. So business, yeah, will there be business to go out? Yeah. Would they have gone out of business anyway? Probably. Um, so how many? I don't know. But what I've seen is mother being the, the uh, necessity being the mother of all invention, people are thinking outside the box, you know, doing collaborative things, you know. So will there be? Yeah. There has to be. There's just certain business models that were probably due from the start. There's other ones, you know, where not, no fault of theirs. Uh, I, they, 
know, bad luck for lack of a better way of describing it. But um, yeah, and, and we're seeing it already. I mean, we're seeing pressure on our portfolio. We're having um, producers come to us and say, my bank's asking me to leave. And this is the hardest, this is the worst part of the job. Uh, you know, it's good when you can go out there and make loans and help people keep their jobs. And, you know, that paycheck protection program was um, very personally satisfying because I knew a lot of small businesses we were able to help. But, um, but when you have to come in and say, look, it's it's not working, we've, we've, gonna have, we've got to figure out a way to get the bank repaid, that's never a fun thing. Yeah, that's a really good point. Well, it's interesting you bring up too those opportunities because so it's funny. Anecdotally, yesterday I was talking to a distillery. They called me up and said, "Hey, good news. We we're just opening our distillery tomorrow." And my initial reaction was, well, "God, <laughs> condolences. I'm so sorry." And they said, "No, it's been fantastic because over the last basically two months, they've been able to get the last bits of equipment they needed at bargain basement prices. They were, I mean, it's a little callous, but they were just calling people up and saying, hey, how's your distillery doing? Do you have anything for sale? Uh, how's the business? And people were like, yeah, actually I'm liquidating. And they've been able to buy up a lot of equipment. So I think we're going to see a lot more of that. And I have to ask, you know, you've been through multiple downturns. And again, you said this is completely different. But what other opportunities have you seen during downturns in the past? Like, what should people be looking out for? And when things start to recover, what what should they kind of have on the radar? Oh, goodness. Um, Well, first of all, your point there will there there are asset liquidations going on right now so there will be equipment that will be available you know discounted prices um you know it's hard to be brave and entrepreneurial when everybody's saying the world's coming to an end but i think the people who can you know see through that the fear and see that i don't think people are going to quit drinking personally i mean the reason we (laughs) we're on the top of the food chain is because we are social creatures yeah. And after the 1918 pandemic, they, they didn't stop drinking. They went right into prohibition and really drinking. So I don't see that happening. Um, so what you're saying is we need another prohibition. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> I think we can do this without that. I think we're doing it. I, we, we got this. <laughs> 2020's hard enough, Colton. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what, what the bank's asking for is we want to know where the next 12 months going. Now, I mean, 12 months is like, that might as well be five-year forecasting right now. <laughs> so we're asking for a, a monthly 12-month, you know, income statement and balance sheet. And, I, you know, I've had this discussion several times. You're going, well, I don't know how OND is going to go. That fourth quarter, I go, well, neither do we. Give it your best guess. Reach out to your distributors. Reach out to your peeps. Where do they think it's going? I think we've had a pretty tough year. I think we've got a lot to be thankful for in spite of everything going on. And I think this holiday could be extra special. So I think that would mean some cheer. I mean, maybe we might even be able to get together and socially distance cheer each other, you know? I mean, <laughs> so I, I think this could be a, you know, great Christmas. I think that's the most optimism we've heard on this podcast for <laughs> months. So I actually really appreciate that. Well, I just don't see us changing what we are in our DNA. We're social creatures. Um, I start thinking about this because I got a little one, right? Yeah. There's a lot of people who have a lot of things to be thankful for. 
So anyway, sorry about that. That's happened to me ever since he was born. <laughs> it changes everything. It's it doesn't. It gets that happens more and more often. You don't actually get used to it. I'm just saying that because I have three boys at home, the youngest three. And uh, you do get a whole new perspective on everything you do, even with work. We make fun of the fact that I have a billion kids, it feels like. But But, um, going back to right now, I think the big question is O&D. So I think it could, you know, it could have a, you know, this year, there could be a lot of drinking going on for all kinds of reasons, you know, Um, good and bad. So just want we want to understand where what your backup plan and how you're addressing this and how you are getting aligned with the channels that are selling. So when somebody comes to us and says, well, we have, we have a club. Okay, tell me about that club. I want to know all the particulars. You know, how many members? 500. How many ordered last time? 250. You have a club of 250. You got to, we want to make sure that, you, that they are really on top of their game. They've, they've got their special niche and they play it better than anybody else. And they're out there doing it. So, um, but the things to look for is, you know, get your balance sheet in one shape. That right, that right there. Build some liquidity. Build some cash. We're seeing some incredible innovation in cost savings as far as, um, oh, just, wow, I found out I could run this bar and sell more, you know, my tasting bar. I, I can sell more with fewer people better educated and more, you know, trained, better trained. Right. Um, so reduce cost, strengthen your balance sheet. If, if you can take advantage of today's low interest rates, refinance and get your payment down, create more cash flow. And speaking of the little guy, you probably hear him in the is. background. I do. He's into refinancing, it sounds like. Yeah, he's onto it. Get on it, dad. <laughs> <laughs> I've invaded his room. That's where the uh, now the dog wants to get in on. So um, I got a question for Colton when he gets back too. But Jeff, you might have a little insight on this. One of the things that's come up recently, and it kind of got on the back burner, but I've been seeing a lot more discussion about, it, especially with places like Discus, is uh, tariffs on the international side. A lot of distilleries were actually seeing some pretty great gains in terms of exporting their products. But that really slowed down with the tariffs and then essentially everything happening now is what are you seeing on the international market from some of your clients? Are they starting to get back into it? Is there an opportunity or is everything on hold there? I haven't seen much emphasis on that um, because just basically the the structure of our portfolio tends to be a little bit more domestic based. Mm -hmm. But um, the ones that we have, they seem the ones I've talked to seem to be increasing those sales. Um, but, you know, you bring up something good here as far as tariffs and other regulatory issues. I, one thing I'd like that's come out of this is the, the municipal governments have been very accommodating, helping alcohol producers make oh, and yeah. sell their product. And it's, it's really simple as to why they're doing that. It's a huge source of tax revenue. So now's a good time for us to lobby our legislatures to say, hey, all these rules that you relax to help us go out and grow our business during difficult times, let's make those permanent or better yet, let's go a step further. Yeah. I'm actually I'm actually gonna jump in there. Just so everyone knows, ACSA has a virtual public policy 
conference coming up on September 15th. You can go register now. It is to do exactly that, lobby anyone we can to keep our taxes lower. And that's for FET reduction primarily? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's federal. Uh, that's, that's, not, nice. that's not the local guys, but you know, that's a big that's tax huge. chunk. If that, if that goes away, we got a problem. Well, God, and having to fight that again this year with as difficult as it is, it would be, a, you're right, Jeff, it'd be a perfect time to try and make that permanent. And then on top of that, you know, actually, Colton, what's, what's going on in the uh, DTC fight? I mean, multiple states have been easing that. It seems like that's going in the right tra- trajectory. Do you know if ACSA is anything on the docket to kind of push that even for, further, like Jeff says? Yeah, I mean, ACSA is organizing as much as they can. You know, it's it's got to be state by state. So I would say just contact your state guild, see where they're at. I'm sure ACSA is in touch with them, and we can kind of collaborate and make a you know national strategy of how we're going to make this happen. And you know, go to a state who's not as open to it and say, well, this state is looking at it, and these are the numbers that they're seeing and a bump in their tax revenue, and you know. Just tell them they're going to make more money and they'll probably be okay with it. That's the approach. <laughs> yeah, because they're all, I mean, you're right. Every single state is facing massive shortfalls and they still have bills due. So being able to make money off of booze always is something they're looking forward to. You know, and on a historical note, because this is perverse, but before they could put prohibition in place, they had to replace the tax on alcohol so they created the income tax. And now we have both of them. <laughs> oh, now I'm depressed again. <laughs> <laughs> really brought us down there. <laughs> no, that's the motivation to go out there and let's take back a little bit of what's ours, you know. So, but no, I, I, you know, there's a lot to be optimistic about. I think right now, I the the times I've been through successful people, iconic people whose names you would recognize, seem to. Get a jump on everybody during the times like now. Um, there's not. There's. Think about this. Increased demand, fewer competitors, not less competition. Fewer competitors. That's right. not a bad thing. Actually, speaking of that, how do you see the competition between craft and sort of you know big boys matching up now that most sales are happening in grocery stores or at you know at liquor stores, and a lot of that is driven by you go online to see whatever the front page of your liquor store website is. And, you know, maybe you click off of that, but you're more likely to click the first of seven items that you see. Um, so how do, have you seen a lot of creativity and marketing strategies of the, your craft uh, clients? Well, you bring up a good point. The last three downturns I've been through, um, people, things happen. You drink more, but you might drink, pay less, right? Or you may change your beverage preference. Or back when you could go out and do it pre-COVID, you'd, maybe you'd pre-drink and then just order a glass at, at the restaurant and then come home and post-drink. So I think, I think I don't think, I mean, <laughs> I'm sitting here going, the world's coming to an end. I want to go have, you know, I don't know, two buck chuck. I don't think like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take the vodka on the very bottom shelf down by the floor. That's the one I want. Um, so I think a lot of it's convenience because that's what the big guys have. They're in a grab and go format. And I know, so I think you got to take some of this behavior you're seeing within the context of the moment. 
so w- the first time I went to the store, you know, I've got I got a pregnant wife, and I wouldn't get in and out of there as quick as hell, and I wasn't really paying attention. You know, it was kind of panic. You know, things were getting weird. Yep. But now, you know, four months later, it's like I take my time. I'm making sure I buy quality things because this, if nothing, this COVID thing proves life is short. And I'm it's worth every penny I paid it to eat and drink well. Um, so the the big boys are going to expand. That is it permanent. Did the craft guys lose ground? Craft guys may have, but for reasons that only a pandemic might create. And will that be long lasting? Who knows? I don't think so. I think hopefully they'll get tired of drinking the same thing and want to explore their local options, perhaps. Well, I think there's a bunch of bunker mentality in there. I don't have that right now, you know. So, I, you know, I, you know, I, I think as Americans in particular, we, we're not s- happy with survival. We want success. We like nice things, and we're used to that. You know, maybe four years of this, and maybe we'll think different. But I, I think it'll be a temporary setback. But it comes back down to blocking and tackling. What's your market, and how are you getting out there? If you're a small, vertically integrated, hot, really expensive producer, how do you adjust for the new environment? You know, that doesn't mean you should lower your quality. Oh, not, not at all. But how do you get to the people that have the money or are willing to spend it? Yeah. Um, or you know, you see. Yeah, in the wine industry, because uh, I've only been in this, you know, all the industry you know, combined um, since after the last, the Great Recession. But um, in the wine industry during tough times, high-end producers will produce second labels that have no ties to them whatsoever, or they try not to have a tie. And it's, it's a great way to, in a, in a time of oversupply of grapes, it's a great way to move product at lower price points, but they disconnect to where it's like, you know, it's, this is a, um, this is a Volkswagen, but this is an Audi. (laughs) Yeah. That kind of differentiation. We had a distiller on the podcast not too long ago who was doing literally that. They had a, a several totes of source product and he just made a whole new brand label and it sold incredibly fast and it was value brand, but he was making money and the, the consumer was hungry for it. And the interesting thing too, I think both you and Colton have kind of talked about and alluded to is the local side that really people have looked at ways of helping their local community and distillers have done this amazing thing where the vast majority of them have helped with things like hand sanitizer. So they've got a lot of good PR now and now their local communities are looking at businesses in trouble and they're trying to figure out ways to help them, even if it's just ordering product directly from them. So by being able to do more direct sales and more online marketing, I think it really will force, not necessarily force, but encourage people to go local. I'm, I'm not seeing that slowing down anytime soon. Well, that, that's that's an excellent point. You know, in these times of strained supply chains, there's a, I, I hope that's a movement that continues and strengthens. We need to be more localized in where we source our food and beverages. Yeah. And why not? You know, that, that creates jobs. I mean, um, and those are higher paying jobs than usually the ones that are at the retail establishments as cashiers and stock people. And all. Um, so I hope that continues. Yeah. 
I'm in agreement with you, especially when it comes, I mean, that ties in with the agriculture side. I mean, that's a story that people talk a little bit about, but I don't think it's been covered nearly as much as it should as the, you know, the loss in agriculture because of supply chain issues, you know, just products sitting in a field or being thrown in a ditch, you know, by being able to have local producers of, you know, beer, wine, and spirits, you can turn some of that waste product into something that could last. Um, and I'd like to see more of that interconnectivity. It's it's kind of old school, but God, it, it makes sense when it works. Yeah, and um, I'm not real happy with a lot of these. Well, not to like have me saying it, but a lot of these COVID rules where the big box stores can stay open, but the little mom and pops, that's very aggravating. Yeah. But I'm a small town guy, so. Yeah, um, no, I empathize with you. Hey, where, where are you living right now? What state are you in? Uh, I live in Sonoma County in California, um, okay. in the northeast corner. That's what I thought. Yeah, I was going to say, it's funny, California, it, it seems like not that long ago, California was one of the hardest uh, hardest ABCs, uh, local governments to deal with in terms of regulation. And they really seem to have turned around these last few months. I've been seeing things out of California in terms of trying to help the local producers sell product, ship directly that I've been pretty damned impressed with. Yeah, no, that's good. I mean, it's, I, I think there's a, a couple smart people in Sacramento that realize, hey, you know, hey, it's, it's, sales going up. Why don't we can get more if we charge less, you know, volume. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, uh, something too, going back to, you know, what I'm seeing out there in innovation, I'm really blown away by the innovation in cans, can cocktails. Yeah. Um, good thing there's a shortage on cans. <laughs> I know, I just heard about that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's yeah crazy. Because I mean, I, I mean, with all the shelter in place stuff and the places you can go, I mean, we we go over to Bodega Bay and just back the car up, and, you know, have a little picnic, and just check it all out. I mean, your your options are kind of limited. So, but if you you can take that product in place beaches, you know, not that we're going to concerts or anything anytime soon, but if it's convenient, it's easy to grab and go. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think. I think easy sells, convenient sells, um, no matter what your price points are, you know, the easier you can make it for the consumer, probably a greater chance that you're going to have a success. Yep. Well, and I think that's a good point too, in terms of future investment for people. I think people will be looking at installing their own canning lines and, you know, additional bottling lines. Actually, Colton, that, that's a good point you bring up in terms of the, you know, there's the aluminum, you know, can shortage. Are people going with other alternatives? Are they going with, you know, six pack glass bottles now? Or what's, what's kind of the pivot? Have you been hearing much on that? Uh, I've no, I've just read, you know, the news articles. I haven't heard anyone who's actually ran into a shortage yet, but you know, I'd imagine it's, Hey, what can we get is what you go with. Yeah. Well, it's... Uh, which is most likely going to be glass bottles. I don't think everyone gets the opportunity to do the, uh, Johnny Walker cardboard <laughs> bottle yet. That's the future. <laughs> it's co- it's coming. <laughs> uh, maybe someone will just pour some in like an Amazon box and then sell that to you. <laughs> the future yeah. is now. Yeah, bourbon in a box. There we go. It's prime bourbon. Oh, Jeff! Now that you said that out loud, you know somewhere in the country, listeners is taking notes and they are buying that domain name bourbon in a box right now. If they haven't done it already, I, I yeah, um, I've had some experience dealing with beverage producers that tried the uh, that that format. It didn't work well. <laughs> 
Okay, so uh, I, I don't want to keep you too much longer here, but what other do you have any other predictions for not necessarily OND, but uh, you know, the next few months, what is Live Oak doing to kind of adjust to this new normal? And uh, what's just what's your future look like besides uh, living on that adorable baby? <laughs> uh, my future looks like no time off. Yep. Um, we're, we're the busiest we've been in our group since I can't remember, at least. Yeah. So the bank's backing up. There is an SBA. If you can close an SBA loan by September the 25th, they will, and it's a term loan, they will make the first six months principal and interest payments for you. Nice. So, um, as you can imagine, there's a lot of people that like to take advantage of that. Yeah. Um, and so that's backing up things. We're, uh, we're getting loans approved, but we only have so much capacity. We have people, we're like the rest of America. We have a lot of people working at home. We have, you know, we have our campus open, but we've had, you know, we've had some people that, that tested positive. So we're like everybody else. We're just, it's, it's hand-to-hand combat in the mud right now. Yeah. So um, we're going to be busy. I, I don't see this easing up till maybe, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, there, there are other SBA uh, incentives available to the end of the year. For example, they have a really great line of credit product. Um, it normally maxes out at $350,000. They've increased that to a million dollars to the end of the year. Um, will they make that permit or extend it? Nobody knows. There's a lot of, there's a lot of talk about additional stimulus, um, like that deadline I told you about, September 25th, for the, you know, six months of payments. There's, I've heard talk that they might want to extend that. Guys, I wish I could look in a crystal ball and tell you what's going to happen, but you know, that's, that's uh, it's easier to do negative projections than positive ones. It's easier to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's easier to say some will come up in the morning than say, well, this will happen in six months. So I don't know. I think we're going to be fine. I'm, I'm amazed we're doing as well as we are. I mean, I live in California. So to me, if first, like a doctor, first thing I look for, take the pulse, check the traffic. The traffic's back. It's a nightmare. It is. <laughs> so that tells me people are out. Nothing else. They're buying gas, you know. So I think we'll be fine. I just think everybody just needs to get it through their head this is different we none of us have experienced this um but if we just focus on the things that are important which is do our job take care of our families uh, everything will be fine but if you're gonna if you're just gonna be your best that's what i can tell you gonna have to be you're gonna have to be your best it's that that's that portion of the game right now and you might just surprise yourself with how good you can be all I got to say is you have the dad advice down already, Jeff. That's some good quality <laughs> stuff there. Your kid's going to do great. <laughs> you know, I've been sleeping. I've been sleeping like a baby. I, I, I go to sleep and every two hours I wake up and cry myself <laughs> back to sleep. <laughs> oh, I like that. All right, Colton, what else? All right, Jeff, what, uh, what's, your, what's your kid's first drink in 20 plus years? <laughs> Just in the under year 21 years. 2021. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> His first drink. Did you have you saved a bottle away yet? Um, no, I hadn't, but that's a good one I need to think about. 
You should probably demand all of your clients lay one barrel down for him. Now you're talking <laughs> part part of the loan. <laughs> yeah, you know, he wouldn't have to buy booze for the rest of his life. He'd be yeah. more popular kid in college. <laughs> this may be setting a bad precedent. <laughs> but you know, that's I know people will do that. You know, and uh, that's a great idea. And thank you for reminding me of that, Colton. That's uh, I'm give that some thought. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we really appreciate it. It's good to have some uh, sage advice and some optimism here. We really, that means a lot to us. And uh, listener, thank you for listening. Go ahead and give us a like, not like digitally or anything, just actually like us. We're really needy, uh, but feel free to go online, uh, review us on any of those digital platforms that uh, Zeno would normally tell you about, but he's not here. So you're going to have to find us on your own. And uh, that's it. Zeno's not here to grunt us out. So, uh, Thanks, guys. Love you, dummies. Perfect. Perfect.